Make a joyful shout unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. We just want to say good morning and welcome to the Tabernacle of Praise and Worship Service. We're so excited. We're so happy that you have chosen to worship with us today. Those that are worshiping with us around the world, we just want to give a warm welcome to you this morning. We want you to share this page. Just uh, give a shout out to us. Let us know that you're worshiping with us. Uh, just share with a friend. We want this message to go around the world. We're so excited today because I'm going to tell you right up front, we have a former pastor, the first wife and the family are here today. So we're just excited. So just tell a friend to get on right now. You know, we live in some perilous times. The pervasive nature of our society, the rampant racism that is going around is just something else. And if there was ever a time where we need the power of prayer it is right now. So folks, we just want you just to lock in as Elder Wellington is going to lead us to the throne of grace. Father God, Lord, truly, what an awesome opportunity it is to come before your presence, to lift up your name in praise and worship, to thank you, Lord, for the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us. Recognize, Lord, that we are still here because of the result of your love for us. We come, Lord, on this blessed Sabbath day, Lord, just like any other, seeking your blessings. We ask, Father God, that as we go through this worship hour, Lord, not only will we receive a blessing, that we will be a blessing. We ask, Father God, that as we look at this pandemic and realize the various things that are going on, we ask, Father God, that you would reach down and touch your children. Lord, put a hedge of protection around them as it was with Israel. Lord, keep them safe from this virus, Lord. And even in the tragedy of all this chaos that's going on in the world, Lord, all the criminal activities, Lord, we ask that you would keep a protective hand around your children. We ask, Father God, that as we continue to move forward, Lord, that we would realize that as we become more uh, uh moved and sharing this message with, with others, Lord, that through this virtual, Lord, or however we're doing it, Lord, that we will be more precise, Lord, in, in reaching out to touch someone. Now, Lord, as we look at the times that we live in, it's narrowing down, and so we must be of great urgency, Lord, to tell others about you and your soon coming. Lord, there are many that are sick, Lord, and we we just want to lift them up in special prayer, Lord. Ayana, Lord, who's suffering with the COVID-19. Lord, please place your hand upon her. Comfort her mom, Lord, and her sister. Lord, cover her, Lord, and heal her. We beg, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for the healing of, of their grandmother and mother, Lord. But, Lord, now she's touched. And so we are asking your hand to be upon. Lord, there are those, Lord, who have uh, reaped injuries this past week, Lord. Sister Teresa, 
Sister Brenda, Lord, my nephew, Lord, we're asking, Father, that you touch their bodies, Lord, and, and heal those broken bones. And Father God, Lord, as we press forward, Lord, there are those who are not even on this, this service, Lord. Lord, wherever they are, we're asking, Lord, that you reach out and touch them. Lord, put something in their heart, something in their mind to draw them, Lord, back to you. Lord, as we studied this morning, we learned about witnessing and the importance of witnessing. And so, Lord, as we are on this line, this, this, at this moment, we're asking, Father God, that you would just touch your children. Lord, even right now, we thank you, Lord, for having the opportunity to have our pastor, Claval Hunter, back with us. But, Lord, right now, we beg, Father, that you'll place something on his heart. Lord, give him a word sent from on high to specifically give to this congregation. And, Lord, many of those who are watching around the globe, Lord, we ask that they'll be blessed as a result also. We ask, Father God, Lord, that you would move forward and touch, Lord, the finances of your conference, Lord, the finance of your children, Lord, so that this message can continue. We just thank you, Lord, for the help that you have provided us, Lord, even in the midst of all of this. And so, Lord, we just ask your blessings once again upon this service. We give all honor, all praise, and all glory unto you. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Good morning and happy Sabbath, everyone out there. Um, I just want to remind all of us that it's a great day, no matter what's going on. Any day you wake up, man with a reasonable portion of help, we call that a good day. Uh, I want to remind everybody, first of all, that this is our offering time. And so I'm going to give you a little information um, to return your tithe and offering. We start with the dollar sign, Tops Giving. Uh, that's where we can you can send your your offering, and then you have AdventistGiving.org, or you can mail it to directly to Teresa. Today, I want to talk to you about a marathon. It's clear by now that we're in a marathon. Everyone thought that in June, the sun would come, the virus would die. In June, the sun came, the virus increased. We're now looking at um, cities closing again and people having to go back into strict quarantining. So I want to give us some ideas and some suggestions as Christians, as fellow believers, and as those of you who are uh, learning about God, some strategies on how to run this race and how to win this, marath uh, this marathon. So there's four tips. First of all, you have to feed yourselves the right food. So you have to feast on the word of God a lot right now. You have to make that your primary meal. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word. Uh, that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then you have to drink right. Drink deeply of the Holy Spirit. Listen to God. Pay attention to your heart and what the Lord is telling you to do. And do those things. And you have to discipline us yourselves. Now, that's the hardest part is disciplining ourselves. We have to keep our prayer time consistent. Pray in the morning. Pray all through the day. And pray at night. Because this is really a very serious and um, difficult time. Remain faithful in witnessing. When you feed others, you feed yourselves. Do the best with your leadership possible, um, position. If you have a position in your church and you are responsible for something, do something. Don't just allow it to languish and not do anything. It doesn't have to be a huge thing, a large gathering. Even if it's just uh, reminding people at your prayer meeting services, you know, about the family or whatever your interests are, please do something. Um, and then remain faithful with your tithe and offering. Don't get off course. Don't get off track. Stay on the course and stay on track. 
The blessing is not in getting off the course. You get lost there. Stay on track with God. Fortify your minds. This is number four. Fortify your mind. Say the right stuff to yourself. Don't spend thinking about COVID-19 every day. You know, it will drag you down. You can sing hymns to yourself. You can memorize scriptures. And remember the blessings God has given you. Every day we should think about what God has done for us in the past, what he did for us yesterday. Every day we should be reminding ourselves of God's goodness. If not, we're going to get washed away. And remember Jeremiah 12, 5. It says, if thou hast run with a footman and thou have wearied, and they have wearied thee, then how can thou contend with the horses? This is the beginning of sorrows. This is not the end of it. This is the beginning. And if the land of peace wherein thou trustest, they weary thee, then how would thou do in the swelling of the Jordan? So we are in a situation where we are being tested. Everyone is being tested. Your patience is being tested. Your love for others is being tested. Your spirit of uh, how much of the spirit of God is in you is being tested. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Let's be committed, everybody. Let's be committed to what we were committed before coronavirus. Let's be committed during coronavirus. And let's be committed after coronavirus. Remember, you can uh, return your tithes and offering at Dollar Tops Giving uh, and at EvansGiving.org. And you can also mail it to Teresa. And remember, we're committed to God. We're not committed to the coronavirus, but to God. And if we seek his face and turn our hearts to him, we're going to make it through that. And we're not just going to survive. We're going to thrive. Have a great Sabbath day. And God is always with you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Sister Lakita, for those encouraging words to be faithful stewards. As I said, we are so excited today to have, it almost sounds funny, our former pastor. It's been four months. Uh, pastor Claval Hunter has consented to speak with us today, even though he's technically on vacation. But he consented so graciously to step in today and bring a powerful word. And we're just so thankful for his willingness to come back home. And I know everybody's excited. And the man of God is going to bring a powerful word on today. So after our special music by Sister Cerise Lewis, the next voice you will hear will be, a, be that of Pastor Evangelist, Pastor Claval Hunter. Hear ye him. Can't feel no. <laughs> 
Praise the Lord. Wow. Aren't you glad that the battle is not yours? It is the Lord. I want to just say thank you to my Tabernacle of Praise family um, for allowing me to be a part of this worship experience. What I love about Top, I always say it, is that we truly experience the power of God through prayer, outreach, worship, education and relationship to all of the elders and the leaders and the members of this um, wonderful congregation you know i i miss you daily and my family we are so excited um to be here in st louis worshiping um, with you today the bible says that i will i will bless the lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth I know we are there on Zoom, we're on Facebook, YouTube, on our Roku channel, but we can just magnify the Lord together. Can we just give God praise wherever you are? You can put your hands together. You can lift holy hands because God has been good to you this week. 
Truly, you are still in the land of the living. And the Bible says, let us exalt his name together. Aren't you glad that the name of God is powerful than cancer, is powerful than diabetes, is powerful than any pandemic we are dealing with right now? Aren't you glad that in his name has power to save, his name has power to rescue, his name has power to defeat every demonic attack that comes against you and your family? I'm so glad that my God is sovereign. My God is in control of all human affairs and even history. And so once again, it's truly a blessing and an honor to be here with my T.O.P. family. When we pulled up here in St. Louis, we came to Sister Beverly Anderson's house and man, she just laid it out for us. The red carpet, it was so amazing. The treatment we are receiving, uh, man, we are being treated like we are, we are royalty and we praise the Lord for her hospitality and how she's just representing T.O.P. family. And I'm so glad that the Lord has been blessing you and also protecting each of you. You know that you are always in our prayers. It's been four months, but I think about you um, daily. And I'm so glad that I have the opportunity to spend this weekend, those my vacation, um, spend this weekend with you. And I'm looking, me and my family, we are looking forward to our time together tomorrow. And so I hope to see everybody on Zoom I want to see your faces. I want to see your children. I just want to be able to look. And even though I can't embrace you, man, it's, it's going to be a blessing just to see you there on Zoom. So make sure you come um, tomorrow. Um, I'm ready to speak the word. Are you ready for the word? Are you ready? Just saying, just chat, put in the chat box, Pastor, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for the word. So we're going to plug into the word at this time. And so right now, if you're following, you're listening, let me ask you, let me ask you the question. I want you to respond. Just put, put your comment in the chat box right now. Uh, what has 2020 been like for you? Come on, right now, just put it in the chat box. What has 2020 been like for you? You can put one word, however, whatever you want to say, but I want you to be able to share. What has 2020 been like for you? I know for many, it, it has been rough. Come, can we just be honest today? Can we, can we testify? It's been rough. For some, it has been unstable. Um, it has been an uncertain and quite challenging year thus far. For instance, we, we began um, the year with the death of NBA legend and hero for many, young and old, Kobe Bryant, who was tragically killed along with his precious daughter, Gigi and several other families in a horrific helicopter accident. <laughs> when I found out about the death of Kobe, my whole body became numb. I felt like my whole world came to a screeching halt because this black man, loving father and husband, talented athlete represented, in my opinion, greatness, tenacity, and success. If losing Kobe wasn't bad enough, COVID-19 completely knocked us off our feet, right? We weren't prepared. Mm -mm. This debilitating disease has altered the way we eat, work, worship, study, and socialize. Our way of life has completely changed. So far, COVID-19 has claimed over 128,000 lives in our nation alone. 
with the coronavirus pandemic more recently taking a turn for worse in the United States, for the worse in the United States. Rich record, rich rec, record daily new case counts and rising hospitalizations and positive, positivity rates in many of our states. President Trump, say his name, President Trump hopes that this disease will sort of just disappear. Wow. This wishful thinking from the president is so, is so absurd and is proven to be ever so dangerous and continues to be out of touch and without care. Let me just pause right here to remind everyone watching and listening today that it's important that each of us do our part to take this health crisis seriously. Follow the CDC guidelines. Listen to actual medical experts. Stay safe, stay protected, and care for others. Recently, we are being reminded too much that we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. Our hearts ache from the recent tragedies involving the senseless killings of black people in Georgia, Louisville, Kentucky, in Minnesota, Atlanta, Colorado, and too many more places to name. Empathy is a necessary start. But many of us are asking, what can we as the church, the body of Christ, do? Well, change is desperately needed, but will only come when we as Christ followers rediscover the dynamic biblical mandate for justice and identify how to do justice in today's world. If you have your Bibles, turn to Micah chapter 6, verse 8. It's also on the screen. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Listen to God's word. The Bible says, he has told you, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice? and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Today, for the next few minutes, I would like to address the civil unrest that is happening in our country, even right here in St. Louis. We're using for our title, The Church's Response to Injustice. The Church's Response to Injustice. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, you are here with us today. Thank you for your word. Speak to your children even now. Give me the power to preach your word. Bless those that are listening today. Empower us to do your will. I pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen the church's response to injustice. Six years after Eric Garner, a black man was put in a chokehold by an NYC white police officer, which resulted in his death. The world had to watch again, the gruesome killing of another unarmed black man, this time in Minnesota, on May 25th, being pinned to the floor by a white police officer with his knee pressed into George Floyd's neck. 
after continuing to plead for his life. Even calling out to his deceased mother, George goes silent. Many people around did their best to intervene, but the officers would not budge. Onlookers called for the officer uh, or his partner to check for a pulse. However, the officer remains on the man's neck, even as George lies unresponsive. One minute, two minutes, three minutes. It wasn't until eight minutes after George went silent before paramedics arrive and the man is placed on a stretcher. Sadly, due to this abusive, excessive, and inhumane use of force by those that were sworn to protect and to serve, George Floyd's life was cut short. Those police officers weren't sworn to just protect and to serve certain lives or just these lives over here or those lives over there, but all lives, including George's life. What is so mind-boggling, family, is that all of the officers, look at it, all of the officers kept their hands in their pockets. They refused to give him water to drink. They ignored his cry for help. And they watched this black man suffer and die without doing anything to stop their colleague from choking him to death. What was so crazy was that in the same week, listen to me, in the same week George Floyd was murdered by these officers, a white perpetrator, an individual arrested being charged, hear me now, being charged with double homicide was treated starkly opposite. Notice the difference. Notice the difference. After being accosted and arrested following a significant struggle with police, he was propped up to sit next to the police car, his battered hands wrapped and bandaged by the officers and, and look at this, they gave him water to drink when he said he was thirsty. My question is this, why wasn't George given the same treatment? Why wasn't he propped up and given water to drink? Why wasn't he treated as a human being? Beloved, Mr. George Floyd was someone's son. He was someone's brother, someone's friend, someone's father. Honestly, that could have been me on that hot street that day, unarmed, begging for my life. That could have been our sons and our daughters. That could have been you. Family, our nation has been spinning out of control for a very long time. We are living in troublesome times and it's been troubling since sin entered into this world. 
Satan, our arch enemy, is actively reaping havoc on our planet, and he's influencing so many people to not only take advantage of one another, but to also steal, kill, and destroy one's future, one's dreams, and even one's life. The enemy, is, he, he wants to take you out. As a son, as a father, a husband, and a black man living in America, I joined the thousands of peaceful protesters in our nation that are outraged by what took place in Minnesota, Colorado, Louisville, Kentucky, and Atlanta. It is hard. It is hard being black in this country when your life is not valued. And I know people are celebrating July 4th, but people were still in slavery when we gain our independence. Can I be honest with you today? Family, it's the summertime. I'm scared to even purchase a toy water gun for my children and to, for my children to play with. Here's why, because for many little black children, it became a death sentence. To all of my white brothers and sisters that are perhaps listening, to this message today. Please understand me. This is what black parents have to deal with every day. We want our children to know that they can be free, that their lives do matter, that they can be someone in America. But it's hard. It's hard being black in America when you're being judged by the color off your skin. It's hard being black in this country when so many of our brothers and sisters are being marginalized, overlooked, and taken advantage of by so many of the privileged in this country. Oh, I'm preaching a word today. Ever since slave traders, listen to me, ever since slave traders looted Africa and stole from its country, Black men and women to work their fields in the Caribbean and, and in North America, our black forefathers have been angry. And today, hear me now, black people in this country are still angry. They are frustrated because though slavery has been abolished in America, it is evident that black Americans have never known true liberation. Many blacks in this country are scared. They are exhausted. They are in a state of despair and are losing hope because their communities are being torn apart by drugs, violence, poverty, lack of jobs, inequality. Their lives seem to not matter. They have no idea what the future holds for them, their spouses, and their children. Who do you call when 911 is killing you? Who do you turn to when your lawmakers, your leadership, they turn against you, they forget about you, and they don't fight for you? Who do you call? I know of so many people right now who are afraid of interacting with police officers, let alone being stopped by an officer because they feel that their lives are in danger even if they comply. We have become all too used to being stopped, accused, 
and arrested for the crime of being black. This country as we know it is plagued not only with sin, but it is also suffering from two other deadly viruses, COVID-19 and systemic racism. So how should I, the church, respond to all of the injustice in our land? It's a personal question. Should we turn a blind eye? Should we stay in our cozy homes and long to get back into our church buildings? Should we just pray, turn the other cheek, and leave social matters for someone else to tackle? No, no, no. For the sake of time, let me suggest just three ways we're able to respond to injustice. If you're taking notes, here it is. Write this down. Number one. As followers of Christ, we should always be committed to pursuing biblical justice. Pursuing biblical justice means we follow God's way to make right that which is wrong. And we look to scripture to define what is right. Follow me now. You know the Bible says God's ways are better than our ways. Don't do it your way. Vengeance belongs to God. His way is better than our ways. And the Bible says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God knows how to fight the battle, my dear friends. We do not have to look far to see that Jesus is our standard of right living. Jesus Christ lived a perfect, sinless life, died a sacrificial death, and rose again to make right that which was wrong. It is because of Jesus and his work on the cross that we can be justified and made right with God. Who says amen? And Jesus also demonstrates a beautiful example for us to follow in the New Testament as one who cared for the outcast and reached out with compassion to help those most often overlooked. Members of Tabernacle of Praise, let me speak to you. Let me encourage you to not allow COVID-19 and the social unrest that is happening around you and in our nation to keep you bound and prevent you from ministering to those within the Spanish Lake and greater St. Louis community. As I move off the scene, remember the vision. Remember the vision, Tabernacle of Praise that God has given you, which is to be a healthy, united body of believers actively engaged in the community, providing emotional, physical, and spiritual support. Live out your vision. Even while we're dealing with COVID-19, do not stay in your homes and do nothing. Be like Christ every day. You got to be like Christ every day. He pursued justice. Yes, he was a man of prayer. But he got off his knees and he worked. Yes, he was a man of faith. And one that enjoyed attending religion service. But after service, he went out. He reached out to people. He made it his daily mission to move beyond the walls of his home. His carpentry job. 
And church building, as I said, to walk the streets in so many cities to physically and spiritually rescue those in need, those crying out, I can't breathe. When you search the scriptures, healing the leper there in Matthew chapter 8, and caring for the woman caught in adultery there in the gospel of John chapter 8 are just a few examples. As we look at the life of Jesus and the mandate given throughout scripture, it is clear that Christ's followers are called to do justice. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait for the GC to tell us what to do. We don't have to wait, wait for the North American division to tell us what to do. We need to go and do God's work. We are called to take action and confront evil, to care for the vulnerable, and to make right that which is wrong. This mandate is not new. Hear me now. It is not new. It is not a cultural fad or something that is simply a trend in today's society. Look at scripture throughout the Old and New Testament. Our call to do justice is clear. The Bible says this, Psalm chapter 82, verse 3. Psalm chapter 82, verse 3. Bible says, give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Here it is. It's clear. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless and please the widow's cause. It is clear. Luke chapter 11, verse 42. But woe to you Pharisees. For you tithe, mint, and rue, and every herb, and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. If we want to truly be followers of Jesus, we must be committed to justice because he is. When we look at the Bible holistically, we see the mandate is for every citizen in the kingdom of God to eradicate injustice. The command is there, hidden in plain sight like a plot twist in a movie that our eyes missed because they were looking for something else. The stakes couldn't be higher in a city's throat. Our nation are saturated with despair and systemically broken systems that tragically limit the human potential within them. Right around our worship facilities that so many of us love, we find that subpar housing, substandard education, unjust laws, crime, poverty, police brutality, and fatherlessness are all at epidemic levels. Our cities. Our cities are full of people with valuable gifts and immeasurable worth, but we've allowed oppression to mask their talents and contributions. Help us, Lord. Even in the suburbs, rural areas, and upper-class neighborhoods, rights are still not equal. You can't, <laughs> man, you can't go out for a run in your own neighborhood. Oh, help us, Lord. You've, you're questioned if you are a resident and you are constantly made to feel that you don't belong. True justice finds ways to not 
to annihilate, not to oppress, not to execute, but to empower the marginalized, enhance their lives, and offer them a, a safe place to thrive. That's true justice. How should I, the church, respond to the injustice in this land? Number two, hear me now, write it down and remember it. Don't look away. Don't even practice looking away. Many times Jesus tells stories that encourage us to not look away from injustice, no matter how degrading and hard the world may see it to be. The story of the Good Samaritan is right there. The story of the Good Samaritan in the gospel of Luke chapter 10 reminds us that living life in obedience to God sometimes requires us to face devastating cruelty. Uh-huh. This story also suggests that one's religiosity uh -huh, does not necessarily correlate with their desire to help others. Oh, my goodness. Although one of God's greatest commandments is to love your neighbor as yourself, excuses, excuses abound when it comes to practicing this law. We are all in need of rescuing. Come on now. We are all in need of rescuing and we are commanded to reach out to others the way God reached out to us. Uh, aren't you glad that Jesus reached out to you when others refused to give you a helping hand? Aren't you glad that he rescued you from the pit of sin and misery? Aren't you glad that he revived you when life for you seemed to be meaningless, seemed to be mundane? Aren't you glad that he delivered you from hopelessness? Aren't you glad that he delivered you from cruelty? Aren't you glad that he delivered you from fear? He delivered you from abuse. He delivered you from alcohol. Aren't you glad that he delivered you from drugs? He delivered you from sickness. Anybody out there glad that he delivered you from every satanic attack? Aren't you glad that he did much more? I'm glad about it. Thank God for his saving grace. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus shows us how to interact with sinners. Follow, follow me. He doesn't just converse with them. I love it. He dines with them, treats them like family, and sees their potential despite their imperfect state. He states there to the Pharisees that he has come to call sinners, not the righteous. The Pharisees, the Pharisees, these religious leaders during the time of Christ chose to believe, they chose to believe that their status negated their obligation to care for the least of these. They feared what others might think of them if they were seen with those people. Those we say, those we may see as beyond help or unworthy are the ones that Jesus decides to associate with. Thank you, God. While Jesus does not condone sin, he sees the humanity and image of God in each individual and deeply cares for them. The Lord came to save people such as these. It is our spiritual duty, Tabernacle Praise, it is our spiritual duty to not turn away from injustice, 
Do not keep silent. Do not keep silent. But to have the same humble heart as Christ for the lost, for the outcast, for the weak, for the broken, for the misfits in society, for the voiceless, for the uneducated, for the one that is being discriminated against. How should I, the church, respond to injustice in this land? Here's the last one, number three. Be an agent of redemptive love. Be an agent of redemptive love. Don't be on the side of hate. Be an agent of redemptive love. Jesus calls us, he calls us, his church, to confront, that's our work, to confront and counter the systemic and institutionalized violence and oppression that is choking people and the world to death. Jesus calls us to do more than offer condolences to people who are being choked to death by systemic violence and oppression. We are called to be more than religious funeral directors for casualties of oppression and injustice. No, God has appointed us as messengers and methods of liberation, truth, justice, mercy, and peace. You have the power. And God has appointed us as messengers and methods of divine judgment on, on, on the purveyors, practitioners, and apologies of systemic violence and oppression. Right now, if you're listening to me, family, the same spirit that was with Jesus while he walked this earth is with us right now. Aren't you glad that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave is with you? And if he's living on the inside of you, oh, beloved, you and I must live and we must act like the favor of God is upon us. Because just like Jesus Christ, in the midst of darkness, despair, sickness, poverty, discrimination, violence, oppression, and human suffering, the Spirit of God has anointed us to not only love the unlovable and forgive those that are hard to forgive, but to also tell the good news to the poor in spirit. How can they hear if we don't go out? As agents of redemptive love, the Lord is sending us out every day to announce freedom from those that are shackled by life's problems, shackled by the lies of the enemy, shackled by abuse, shackled by sickness, shackled by discrimination. The Lord is sending you out to give sight to the spiritually blind, to free everyone who suffers and to say, this is the year the Lord has chosen. This is the season that God is going to move. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Tell somebody that God is greater than COVID-19. He has the power to fix every problem. We've got to trust in him. we got to do his will. God will direct your path. You gotta have courage, my dear friends, in these last days. You gotta be fearless. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verse 8, God says, and I love it. Hear me now. Bible says, I, the Lord, love justice, but I hate 
robbery, and injustice. Because God loves justice and hates oppression. God's people of redemptive love must not stand by, <laughs> must not stand by as people and the creation gasp. I can't breathe because the knee of insults and instigation, abandonment and rejection, bullying and exclusion, sickness and poverty, racism, discrimination and injustice are literally causing many to feel like they are suffocating without any hope of survival. We, the church, must not be content. Hear me now. We must not be content with reading Bible lessons, singing praise songs and hymns on Zoom, Facebook, and YouTube. We must not, should not, and will not be satisfied with symbolic prayer meetings, revivals and vigils, goodwill and fellowship meals, time-consuming and pointless meetings filled with political excuses, posturing and other commonly accepted pretenses for peace and righteousness while our brothers and sisters, our children, and the rest of creation are strangled to death. Rather, rather, hear me now, here's the challenge. We will actively and peacefully intervene and stop officially sanctioned violence, robbery, and every other oppression in our country. Use your voice. I need to pause right here to say this. What I'm talking about, this cannot be the fight of just black people in this nation. Here's why. Because even after they were enslaved for 400 years, Blacks in this country have had to spend the last century and a half carrying the dual burden of fighting racial injustice and rising above the lowered expectations and hateful bigotry that attempt to keep them shackled to the past. My dear friends, the truth of the matter is this. True change will only come in our cities, in our schools, in our churches, in the workplace, in our organizations, and in our government, when more of our white brothers and sisters come alongside their brothers and sisters of color and begin to speak truth to power. Can I be honest with you? Change will come when more courageous white people who, who white people who are privileged in this country unite with black people to declare that racial profiling is wrong, that racist jokes are wrong, that calling a police on a black person while they are sitting peacefully, perhaps in a public park or in a Starbucks is wrong and hunting and shooting down a black man in Georgia while he's jogging through the neighborhood is wrong. Change will come when our white brothers and sisters will no longer stand silently behind their safe and secure wall of privilege. A wall they may have not necessarily built all by themselves, but nevertheless, a wall of protection that has been provided to them by being born, considered to be the majority and desired in this country. We continue to fight. We aren't giving up as black people, but we are burdened and we are tired. We have been fighting for a long time. 
We need our white brothers and sisters, family members, friends, fellow Christians, pastors, church leaders, co-workers, business owners, police officers, first responders, leaders in government, and empowered to fight for us and with us who says amen. Many have over generations, but we need more. We need more. I praise the Lord for all, all our white brothers and sisters within the Mid-America Union who have taken their hands out of their pockets and have stood with us and cried out against injustice. Change, my dear friends, will come when more police officers seek to use their influence to change the narrative by being intentional, getting to know the people they are protecting and serving, creating and being involved in positive programs for the community. And change will come when they will not be afraid to protect the rights of all people by joining the fight against the injustice that is plaguing our country. Can I talk about change? Family change will come when we decide to no longer keep our hands in our pockets, but rather extend them to help the, the one that is being weakened and crying out, I can't breathe. Can you hear them? Will you help them? Change will come when we go together to the polls in our cities every time there is an election. Don't wait for the presidential election in November 4th, but go to these local elections happening in your city right now to vote for the best candidates that will not put politics, money, power before people. Change will come when we invest in better education for all people, invest in better parks and community centers for low income areas. And when we invest in better housing and healthy grocery stores and businesses in our inner cities, change will come when we demand that affordable and better healthcare be available to everyone in our country. Change will come when we decide to hold our state leaders accountable when they fail to implement sensible gun laws. Change will come when we demand that our prosecutors swiftly hold police officers accountable when they fail to protect and to serve. Change will come when we use our social media platforms to spread love and not hate and to point out to our friends and colleagues and followers the social inequalities in our cities. Change will come when we, when we decide to stand together and not ignore injustice. According to the book of James chapter 4 verse 17 it says anyone who knows the good that ought to be done doesn't do it sins. I'll read it again. Anyone who knows the good that ought to be done and doesn't do it sins. Jesus never said, let me now, Jesus never said, blessed are the conflict avoiders. Hello. Avoiding conflict may provide a negative peace, but also fails uh, to create true peace because it allows injustice to remain unchallenged. We must be willing to be a part of the protest. Tabernacle of praise. You gotta be a part of the protest. And please understand that nonviolent protest can be legitimate means to draw attention to injustice, which may then be addressed through legislation and cooperation. Beloved, as I bring this message to a close, you must know 
that God sees every Eric Garner, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor situation, including those that go unreported, unrecognized, and unattended. God knows the anguish and sorrow of every wounded soul and every victim of injustice everywhere, whether they be African-American, black or white, Hispanic or, or Native American or Asian, God sees it all. He sees and he, and he feels the pain of those oppressed within this nation and throughout our world. And what is, what is amazing to me is this family, that this God wants to use broken people like you and me to bring a positive change in a world broken by sin. God wants to use you. There should never, there should never be another viral video of unlawful police violence where they're targeting blacks or whites. Racism, wherever it rears an ugly head to harm lives and livelihoods anywhere in America must be condemned and eliminated. Mahatma Gandhi famously said, you must be the change you want to see in the world. You must be the change. My dear friends, I believe it. I have hope. Change is possible. Change is possible when we decide to pursue biblical justice, not turn a blind eye to injustice, and by becoming an agent of redemptive love. Do you believe that today? Family, it is my prayer, it is my prayer that we break free from the shackles of routine and pursue true religion, looking after the vulnerable in their distress. They're around you. You see them every day. What are you going to do about it? I pray that we let go of self and take hold of the power God gives us to make a difference in the world around us. Go, 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 and don't be afraid. God is with you. By showing of hands, who accept God's word today? You're in your home, wherever you are, you can raise your hand. Say, God, I accept your word today. Come on, let's raise our hands over our pockets together. You can text also, put in the chat box. I accept this word today. Yes, I accept this word today. Ask God, ask God to give you the power to make a difference in the life of someone that is around you. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. I want to pray this prayer over your life right now. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you for the power of your word. God, help us to have the courage to do your will. Right now, I pray that you'll open up the eyes of your people today. God, please open our eyes that we may see the needs of others in our city.
God, I pray that you open our ears that we may hear their cries. God, I pray that you'll open our hearts that we may feel their anguish and their joy. Let us as a church not be afraid to defend the oppressed, the poor, the powerless, because of the anger and might of the powerful and the privileged. Father, show us where love and hope and faith are needed. Use us to bring them to those places. Open our ears and our eyes, God. Open our hearts and lives that we may in these coming days be able to do some work of justice and peace for you. I pray this prayer in the mighty name of Jesus, who is our rock and our salvation. Amen and amen. May the Lord bless you. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord, Pastor. What a powerful message. What is the church's response to injustice? Well, from that message, folks, it's time for us to not be on the sidelines and be neutral and watching others. Jesus says that if you're not for me, you're against me. It's time for us to stand up, stand up for justice, stand up for Jesus, these soldiers of the cross. Thank you, Pastor. What a, a powerful message. And folks, we just want to remind you just a couple of announcements. At 1.30 today, uh, uh, Sister Gabrielle Fowler is going to have our youth Sabbath school. And at 2.30, we're going to have our dis training for discipleship class laid out by Sister Karen Lewis. Uh, we're going to be studying out of the book, uh, uh, Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, Chapter 66, Power of Satan. And then tomorrow, we don't want anybody to miss tomorrow at 12 noon. What time did I say? 12 noon tomorrow. We want everyone to be on Zoom. We were one week away from giving our pastor our going away concert. We were one week away before this pandemic just took over. So tomorrow, we're going to make up for that. And we want every member, every family, every person who is the pastor and his family pastoral team has ever touched, we want you to tune in at 12 o'clock on tomorrow, and we're going to give the pastor and uh, Christine and the family a good send-off and just thank him as to how much he has meant to us uh, through his ministry for these six years. So with that being said, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace both now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>